take some of that right away. All right. Um, let me pray one more time, just for a couple of things specifically. Join me in prayer. Father, we thank you, God, that you are desiring to pour out revelation to greater and greater degrees in this place. God, and we know that all it takes is one word energized by the Spirit, and lives be, can be transformed, God. All it takes is one word energized by your Holy Spirit. So we ask you to energize these words by your Holy Spirit, and that you would affect change and transformation in this place this afternoon, God. Transform us, God. Awaken our hearts, God. Awaken our hearts by your Spirit. Let there be an awakening in this place, God. We need it. We pray for revelation, God. Thank you, Father. Yeah, we love you. We look to you, God, and we ask those things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. It's good to be in the presence of the Lord. Amen. amen. Is it good? Yeah. New f- <laughs> this place, this place is a special place. I mean, if, if this is the only church you've been to, you, you don't realize that this is a special place. And uh, yeah, it's so good. It's so good to be, uh, to be worshiping in the congregation today, too, with all of you in the, in the assembly of people, you know. And uh, I want to honor, honor the team, the team, uh, the praise team. Can we honor them? It's so good. It's so good. God's blessed us. He's blessed me with such a wonderful team to work with. And we're going to higher heights. We're only going upward in this place. We're only going further in. God has no interest in us staying at the place we're at right now. He's a God of increasing glory. And he's taking us upward and inward. Okay, so as... You mostly know by now, if you're new, you may not know this. At New Philly this year, the theme for the year is intimacy. This is a year where God is establishing us further and further, more completely, in intimacy. How's the year going so far? Your intimacy is good? It's going all right? Uh, I see a lot of, you know, a lot of progress in, in areas of intimacy. Like a lot of people are hanging out. A lot of friends are just spending a lot of good time together, right? Good fellowship time. Uh, we've got, uh, you know, we've got a couple of weddings already this year. Larry and Jew. Wonky and Wani right there. All right. And uh, we've got some, some relationships starting up as well. And that's, uh, <laughs> that's a good thing. From the top down. Yeah, anointing is going to flow. It's, it's going to flow from the top down. Uh, so yeah, relationships are good and more are going to come. More are going to come. If you are praying for that, just believe God, believe him for that. You know, more is coming. Uh, but I, I wonder from time to time as, as we were about three months into this year now, how well we're doing in regard to intimacy with the Lord. Uh, I'm not in your prayer closets. Uh, I don't know exactly where things are at. I, I stay out of your prayer closets. I stay in my own. Uh, but, um, but I wonder where we're at in terms of intimacy with the Lord. And I think sometimes we, we put the cart before the horse. And we take what's secondary. And we make it primary. And we need to understand that, that intimacy comes first with the Lord. That's the foundation for all true intimacy. You cannot attain true intimacy without the foundation of intimacy with the Lord. You can have the appearance of intimacy with people. You can have a certain measure of it, but you can't have true intimacy with other people 
if you don't have it established with the Lord. And we're three months in right now. That's like a quarter of the year. That's only three quarters of the year left. God's, God's doing a special work in us in that regard, in this place. And so we're going to talk a bit about intimacy with the Lord this afternoon. It's been three months. and I haven't talked about intimacy in a message yet. And I, I feel like it's, it's definitely time to, uh, to do that this afternoon. I feel it's on the Lord's heart for us. And what we need to understand about God is that God is a lover. First and foremost, beyond anything else, like God is holy, God is righteous, He is pure, He is omniscient, He is omnipotent, He is omnipresent, He is all these things. But first and foremost, and beyond everything else as well, God is love. That's, that's one of the clearest statements in the Bible. It just takes, the Apostle John just takes three words and he just says it that way. God is love love in first john that's really the story of the bible is really about god as a lover god as a lover and his people as the object of his desires and his affections and you you read through the bible and and you see it right throughout and and you see if you if you're reading through the whole bible that all of history is really moving toward one event Everything that's happening, everything that's going on in your life right now, everything that's going on all over the world, everything, everything is about one thing. Everything is about one event that's going to come, hopefully soon. And that event is called the wedding feast of the Lamb. That someday, God will take his people up and they'll be purified, they'll be pure they'll be spotless and blameless and they're gonna be betrothed by the son of man and live and dwell with him forever that's what everything is moving right now everything in your life is actually about that someday god is a lover and he wants us to know that and so if we want to grow in intimacy with god do you guys want to grow in intimacy with the lord yeah I, I want to grow in intimacy with the Lord. If we want that, there, there's one thing that we really need to grow in revelation of. And that's this simple truth. That God wants to have intimacy with us. God wants to have intimacy with us. We need a growing measure of revelation in that regard. Because we get it to a certain degree. Most of us do, I think. But we got it? Nice. Westfall's good. He's on it. Um, we get it to a certain degree, but we really don't get much of it at all. Like, I stand here today at this pulpit only getting just the smallest fraction of what that means. But I know it's true because the word says it's true, that God wants to have intimacy with us. So we need his spirit's help to really awaken that truth within us and show us and teach us himself. He is the God, Holy Spirit, who leads us and directs us into all truth. All right? God wants to have intimacy with us. Just think about how incredible that is, that statement. This is almighty God. This is the creator of everything. 
who breathe into existence everything you see, everything you taste, everything you touch, everything you feel, and everything beyond that. He is the creator of all. He needs nothing. He is self-existing. He is the alpha. He is the omega. The beginning, the end. He has everything he wants. But that God desires intimacy with you and me. He really does. And so what we're going to do this afternoon, we're going to look at some scriptural truths, okay, that help us clarify this, that teach us that God wants to have intimacy with us. So we're going to jump in. The first truth that teaches us, first scriptural truth, is that God wants you to know him, okay? God wants you to know him. We're going to look again at Jeremiah 9. Um, if you have your Bibles, you can open up to it. Jeremiah, we'll, we'll do a bit of flipping around today. Jeremiah 9, verse 23 and 24. I'll just read it again. He says, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts, boasts in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. There's a ton of stuff in this passage. I just want to look at one word, and that's the word to know. That God doesn't want us to boast in anything else, but he calls, he calls us to boast in something. He calls us to boast in our knowledge of him. And this word, no, we're going to look at a bit of Hebrew this afternoon. I hope that's okay. I'm going to put some of my seminary training to use. Uh, in preaching class, we're actually told not to do this. Yeah, I, you know, but I think there's a place for it. So we're going to learn a little bit of Hebrew today. Uh, this word, no is a loaded word. Like in the English translations of the Bible, we don't really get what's going on there. But, uh, but this word no is filled with meaning. We're going to turn directly right now to Genesis 4. Go to the beginning of your Bible, Genesis 4, and we'll learn about this word no. If you have an ESV, it will help you. A literal translation. Genesis 4, verse 1, says something very interesting. It says, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. Okay. Adam knew Eve, his wife. That is the same word we find in Jeremiah 9, the same Hebrew word, the word is yada. Everyone say after me, yada. yada. Ah, very good word. Fill with meaning. The word, I mean, you could literally translate it to know, but it means a whole lot more. I mean, we know that Adam did not sit down with Eve and have a conversation, and then she conceived and bore a child. That's, that's not what happened, right? Yeah. The word yada... In this church, I can just go out and say this. The word yada means to have sex with. All right? Did that shock some of you? I'm sorry. 
Okay. Yeah. To know we're we're studying the Song of Songs uh, as one of our SBSs, and we're gonna talk a lot about more of that. Uh, with, yeah. Anyways, we'll get to more of that later on in the message as well. Uh, so yeah, Adam knew his wife Eve. The word know, the word yada, is a word that is the most intimate type of knowledge. It's the word that describes how a husband and wife know each other. Right? Yeah. You don't get closer than that. You don't get closer than sex. Sex is like two people becoming one flesh. That's it. You know, that is, that is knowing, right? And so when God says in Jeremiah nine and other places in scripture as well, he wants us to know him. He's saying, I want you to know me the way a husband and wife know each other with that same intimacy. God has given us marriage as a picture Sometimes we think that, you know, we, we have it backwards. Like, well, I'll just say what was forward actually. That'll be, that'll be a lot more straightforward. Marriage is a picture of what's actually going on in heaven, right? Every relationship that God gives us on earth is actually a picture of a greater reality in heaven. You understand that? Everything we have, God would not give us friendships on earth if he wasn't trying to communicate something to us about his friendship with us on a much greater level. God would not give us families, like fathers and sons and mothers and daughters. He wouldn't give that to us on earth if he wasn't trying to communicate something of a greater reality. He would not give us marriage as an institution if he did not want to communicate to us something about his heart for us, his desire for us to know him like a husband and wife know each other. That's why he gives us these things. I love it. Like every wedding you go to is a picture, is a parable, parable is, is a foretelling of a greater reality. That's why we have weddings. We wouldn't have weddings if God didn't want to teach us about the wedding that's going to happen someday. That's why he gives us these things. And that's one of the reasons we have the book of Song of Solomon in the Bible. Like, there are a couple of ways you can understand Song of Solomon, right? It can be taken literally. Uh, it's a story of Solomon and likely the first of his many wives. Uh, this is Solomon when he was like a good king. And, uh, and he was following the Lord. And he was pure of heart and all those things. Um, yeah, it's a picture of of a, a beautiful love story between a husband and a wife. It has so much to teach us about marriage relationships on earth. It's got a ton to teach us. In our SBS, one of them, we're, we're really digging into that and we're learning about what God wants to teach us through that book in that regard. But it's also teaching us at the same time. It's, it's allegorical. It's not like you take the book one way or the other. You take it both ways because, because God intends for both to be seen in that book. And the book is, like, if you read, have you read Song of Solomon lately? Like, it, it's, it's a sensual book. Like, it's, it's kind of surprising for a lot of people that it's, it's in the Bible. Like, you, 
Solomon and the Shulamite, the, the woman in the book, he describes them having sex a couple of times in the book. Like it's right there for you to see. As, that's in the Bible, you know? And one of the reasons that's in the Bible is that God is trying to teach us about the oneness he desires with us. He wants us to know him. That's his heart's desire, his yearning, the yearning of his heart. He wants us to, to be so close, to be so intimate with him, even more intimate than a husband and a wife, because God will not be outdone by the most amazing relationship on earth. The most incredible marriage on earth is nothing compared to the marriage and the oneness and the unity he desires for us in heaven. It's a greater reality. It's always a higher reality. God wants you to know him. That's his heart. He desires it. Okay, that's the first truth we're going to look at this afternoon, that God wants us to yada him, to know him. Okay? We're getting there. Second truth. Number two, I love this. Number two, God is thinking about you. Isn't that great? Yeah, it's true. Right now, God is thinking about you. I guarantee it. Uh, Let's turn to Psalm 139. Great Psalm. Psalm 139. And uh, we're going to start at verse 13 for context. Verse 13 and following says, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I were to count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. Verse 17 says, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they are more than the sand. Okay, again, looking at the Hebrew, we'll do it again. The word... Two, how precious to the third word of that verse. It's a word that just as accurately means toward. Okay. Now, when I was growing up reading this Psalm, I would think about God's thoughts and I would read it and I'll be thinking, well, yeah, God has a whole lot of thoughts, you know? How precious to me are your thoughts, oh God, how vast is some of them. God, God's thinking about things all the time. He's God. He's got a really big brain. You know, he's got a really big, if God could physiologically have that head, right? 
God is thinking about lots of things. He's thinking about Israel. He's thinking about North Korea. He's thinking about Japan, you know. He's thinking about South Korea. He's thinking about all of these world issues and everything that's happened before and everything that's going to happen in the future. So yeah, God, how, how, like more than the grains of the sand, I get that, I understand that God is thinking about lots of things. But when you read this verse in its context, he's talking about something else. David is talking about something so wonderful. And it's this word to, which really should be translated toward. How precious toward me are your thoughts, O God. There are some translations of the Bible that gets this. Uh, some say, how precious, how precious concerning me are your thoughts, O God. God's thoughts toward you are like the grains of sand. Has anyone here ever tried to count sand? No, honestly, honestly, I want to see. Who here, be honest, who has tried to count sand? That's good, okay? I have never, you can put your hands down. I, <laughs> I have never tried to count sand, but I can imagine myself, it was, if I was trying to count sand, like one grain of sand, that's like actually 10 grains of sand, you know? Because <laughs> I can't do one at a time, right? Because sand is so small and there's so much of it, we could not possibly count the grains of sand, right? That's how God thinks toward us. God is thinking about you right now. Man. Yeah. God is, God's looking at Joseph right now. God is thinking about Joseph. He's saying, Joseph, oh man, I love Joseph. I love Joe. Joe is like, oh, he's so good. I like him so much. He's so amazing. I love it when he, yeah, when he spends time with me. Joe. Oh, Joe. So good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, and there's all these things going on in the world, all these different world issues. And God's, God's like, yeah, I, I mean, I got, I got to think about, you know, the Middle East and I got to think about North Korea. But Joe, oh, Joe, oh, man. Oh, I love Joe. So good. Oh, man. That's, that's seriously, that's, that's God's heart to war. You got to get this. Beloved, you got to get this. Right now, God's thinking about me. I love that. He's so into me. No, I, I mean, totally serious. You, you don't realize how much God loves me. I love it. He loves me so much. He's so into me. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's easier for you to say that about someone else. It's a lot harder for you to say it about yourself. Yeah. God is so into you. He's thinking about you all the time. Yeah. It's a good thing. You know, when you're in love with someone, then you're just thinking about them all the time. Come on. Because <laughs> Larry and Jew over there. Larry, you know. 
Larry, I'm sure they're thinking about each other all the time. All right, I, I confess. I'll be studying at school. Okay, 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 okay. Finish it? Okay. I'll be studying at school. And I think about Anita when I'm studying at school, you know? I, it's true. It's true. I, you know, it, it distracts me. I should be studying. It's okay. I'll, uh, yeah, I'll stop there. I'll stop there. God is thinking about you. Uh, that's where we're at right now. Right now. I'm cooling down. Okay, yeah, God's thinking about you. That's where we're at. His thoughts toward you, his thoughts concerning you, outnumber the grains of sand. He's so into you. Beloved, we got to get this. It's God who gives revelation. I mean, I could speak here all day and it might not like hit any place inside of us. But God bring revelation right now by your spirit. Just start speaking that. Yeah. Yeah, God's thinking about you. Okay, we're going to go to our third truth from Scripture concerning God wanting to have intimacy with us. This third truth is that God is wooing you. He's not only just thinking about you. He's, he's wooing you. Our God is God. His very nature is to pursue. That, that's who he is. That's an amazing truth. You know, it, it's one of those things that seems too good to be true. I think for a lot of this, to us in general, they seem too good to be true, these things. But the Bible is filled with things that seem too good to be true, but actually are, you know? And we need to really stand in those truths. Man, God is wooing you. We talk a lot about pursuing God, right? And how it's good for us to pursue and chase after God. Probably my favorite book is a book called The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. It's an amazing book. If you haven't read it, you should go read it. I, I love it. I love to give it away to people. Uh, I've, I've given so many copies away to people. It's about pursuing God, just like the title says, Pursuit of God. And... Uh, and there was a book, it was a famous book a while back called The God Chasers by Tommy Tenney. Maybe some of you guys read that book. And, and that's, that's a good book. It's, it's true that God is calling us to pursue him. He's calling us to draw near to him. He's calling us to seek him with our whole heart. Those are true. But there's a higher reality at work. It's a greater reality. It's truer than that, that God is pursuing us. Your pursuit of God is nothing compared to his pursuit of you. And one person who understood this really well was a prophet named Hosea. All right? We're going to turn to Hosea right now. Turn to Hosea 3. Hosea is kind of near the end of the Old Testament. It's after Daniel. Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea.
Now, when Hosea was given his call to ministry, his call to, to be a prophet of the Lord, God told him to do something very interesting. He said, go take for yourself a wife of unfaithfulness. Go love her. Go have children with her. Even though you know she's going to be unfaithful to you, she's going to leave you. But go love her, go marry her, have children by her. And so Hosea, in obedience to God, does this. And this was a sign for the nation of Israel. God was trying to communicate to, to Israel something through this, this illustration. And so Hosea does just that. And just as God says, Hosea's wife, Gomer, goes and she leaves him and prostitutes herself. She becomes a prostitute after having children with, with Hosea. I can't think of anything more devastating than that, than being married to someone, having children with them, and them leaving you and going and prostituting themselves with someone else. And then Hosea 3 picks up the story there. Uh, let's look at it, just those few verses. This is what God then says. And the Lord said to me, that's to Hosea, go again, love a woman who is loved by another man who, and who is an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love cakes of raisins. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a lethek of barley. And I said to her, you must dwell as mine for many days. You shall not play the whore or belong to another man. So will I also be to you. For the children of Israel shall dwell many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or pillar, without ephod or household gods. Afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. And they shall come in fear to the Lord and to the goodness and to his goodness in the latter days. All right, God tells Hosea, go again, love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress. He's talking about his wife there. He's talking about Gomer, the person, the woman that he had married and who had abandoned him. God says, go again and love her. And getting into the, the Hebrew of this again, because that's what we're doing today. Go again, love a woman who is loved by another man. The, the phrase, go again, love a woman, love a woman. A better understanding of that is to go and win her heart. Go and pursue her. That's what, that's what love looks like here. Go again and win her heart. Now, can you imagine if this was you, right? You are married to someone. And you have children, and that person divorces you, just leaves, just takes off, and goes and sleeps around. And then God tells you, go win her heart. Now, this is not what God is saying. God is not saying, just have mercy on her and, and don't do anything, right? Because that's, that's what, you know, in the New Testament, you look at, at Joseph and Mary, right? Mary and Joseph. 
and, and Mary was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph was a righteous man. He was righteous. The Bible says he's, it showed his righteousness because he was going to divorce Mary quietly. Right? He wasn't going to have her put to death because that's really what the law called for. The law called for Mary to be put to death, to be stoned to death. That's what they did at that time for an adulteress. So because Joseph was a righteous man, he was going to just divorce her quietly, and just, just let her go. That, that's righteousness. Okay? So God says, don't just have mercy on her. Don't just let her come crawling back to you. He says, don't just accept her back to yourself. He says, go and win her heart again. Go and woo her to yourself. And so Hosea does that. He doesn't just buy her back. He pays money to get her back because she's become a prostitute. He goes and he wins her heart again. And God is saying through that, he's trying to speak through that, this is my heart toward my people. I am the God who woos my people who are in rebellion against me. I am the God who pursues and wins the hearts of people who want nothing to do with me. That's my heart. That's my very nature. That's how I feel toward you. I am pursuing you. You might not want to have anything to do with me, but I'm pursuing you. I'm after you. I'm going to win your heart. I'm going to win your heart. Man. In every season of life that you find yourself in, God is pursuing you every place you find yourself in every season of life every situation god's heart is to win your heart that's what he wants <laughs> he is the god who pursues like a persistent lover like a lovesick man he is pursuing you man when you're in a wilderness season god's pursuing you that's what wilderness is about it's about God calling you back to himself. It's about God calling you to learn to trust in him. That was the whole point of the wilderness season that the Israelites had when they left Egypt. Before they entered the promised land, they went through the wilderness. And God was trying to teach them to trust in him. To draw, he was drawing them close to himself. He was saying, lean on me. My beloved, who is this coming up from the wilderness, leaning on her beloved? Yeah, God, is, God was calling the Israelites to trust in him through difficult times. I think back to the time when I was in university. I was in, in Winnipeg in Canada. and It was maybe the busiest season of my life. I was, I was overloading on classes at university. And I was involved in ministries in my home church, and I was involved in ministries on campus. And, and God brought me to a place 
where every morning I was waking up and I was just saying, God, I need you. God, I need you today. I cannot do this without you. I need you. And through that, God was teaching me to lean on him. God was teaching me to trust in him and to listen to his voice. And right now, today, some of you are in a wilderness season. Some of you in this room. And that wilderness season is all about God wooing you to himself. You may not feel that at all. It might feel terrible and awful. But God's calling you closer to himself. He's saying, forget about other things. Come closer to me. God is wooing you to himself. When you're in a season of rejoicing, in a place of rejoicing, God is wooing you to himself. Because God is allowing you to taste and see that he is good. When you're in a time of rejoicing, that rejoicing is all about God wooing you to himself. I think about the times of praise we have here at New Philly. And I love it. It's so good. And God awakens our heart to his presence. But if we have this time, these amazing times of worship here, and we walk out the door, and we don't have amazing times of worship in our own homes, we're kind of missing the point. You know? It's not about us just coming together once a week and enjoying this time together. God's calling us closer to himself. He's calling us into extravagant worship through our week. He's calling us into intimacy. He's wooing us. He's saying, look how good I am. Look how good I am. Spend all day with me, every day. Yeah. When you're in times of pain and difficulty, God is wooing you to himself. That's his very nature. Now we're all praying for Japan right now. Devastation in Japan. I'll tell you this about Japan. One thing I know is that right now God is wooing the people of Japan to himself. He is calling them to himself. That's what, oh man, that's what's going on right now. And there's going to be a mighty awakening and a mighty revival in that land. I speak it forward in Jesus' name. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's going to happen. It's coming. It's coming. And God has been known to do this. Like, if you study history, you'll actually see it if you're looking closely. Think about the tsunami that happened in 2004, right, in Asia. Uh, hitting, like, Indonesia and Thailand and Sri Lanka and all these countries, right? The result of that was actually revival in different places. I had the opportunity in 2007, early 2007, to go and visit Thailand. And one of the areas most heavily hit by the tsunami, totally destroyed, like a whole coastline, like everything there. And it had been, a lot of it had been rebuilt by that point. But what I discovered when I went there in this area, this whole region, there was not one church before it was all uh, Buddhist temples filled with Buddhism, right? When the tsunami hit, the first people to come and help were Christians. And they taught the people there of God's love and they actually showed it to them. And God started to show himself in signs and wonders there. And when I went there a couple of years later, in this one region, it wasn't that big. It was one region. Seven churches were there. Seven churches because of what God did. He was wooing his people through the devastation that was happening there. That had happened. That's going to happen in Japan even to a bigger and greater degree. God is moving that nation. 
God is wooing their hearts because that's who he is. He is the God who woos. He is the God who pursues. That's his very nature. All the time. He doesn't change. God doesn't change like shifting shadows. You know, the way he's feeling isn't dependent on circumstances. God is who he is because he is God. And that's who he is. Okay? So the third truth, God is wooing you. He really is. No matter where you are, he's wooing you. Okay, that's his heart. That's what he's doing. Just going to touch on a fourth truth very quickly. Fourth truth from the Bible is this. Had God sent his own son to die so that he could have intimacy with you. The intimacy that he desires to establish with you costs nothing less than the life of his own son. Romans 5 says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Yeah, that's a picture of what was going on in Hosea, right? While we were yet sinners. We, we wanted nothing to do with God. We were totally separated from him. We were his enemies. We had turned our backs to him. And God sent his, God sent his son to die for us in our place for our sins. He decided he was going to do whatever it took to make a way for intimacy to be made with us. It says in 2 Corinthians 5, he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be the very righteousness of God. It says in Ephesians 1, that God's desire, God's, he pre- predestined us, he chose us before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. And you know, the thing about holiness I think it might have been Pastor Christian who was talking about this a few weeks ago. The thing about holiness is this. That holiness is never an end in itself. God is not calling us to be holy for the sake of holiness. Holiness is always about love. He's calling us to holiness and purity and righteousness so that we can be in a love relationship with him. So we can be as close to him as possible. Because we can't be in a love relationship with him if we're not holy. We can't be with him without holiness established in us. And God saw us before the creation of the world. He said, I'm going to make you holy and I'm going to make you blameless. And it's going to cost the life of my son, but that's okay. That's a price I am willing to pay to make you holy and blameless so you can have true intimacy with me. I'm after you. I want you. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I will do whatever it takes. Beloved, God wants to have intimacy with you. There is not one shred of uncertainty in the heart of God regarding you. There is never a day. I was going to say when God wakes up, God doesn't wake up. He he doesn't sleep. You know, there is, there is never a day when God, you know, God thinks, you know, I'm not sure about Doug. You know, I I was, I was in love with him yesterday, but today, I don't know, you know, not sure. God, God's not like that. You know, God is totally certain about you. His heart is set 
on intimacy with you, to bring you as close as possible, closer than the closest husband and wife. There is an intimacy that God wants with you that a husband and wife can't even have. It's closer than that. Yeah. And it's God who's doing it, you know. He's, his heart is set on it. And he, he will do this. John 17 says something very interesting. Jesus is praying. And he prays that the same love that God the Father and the Son have for each other, that we would have that love. Interesting thing about that is that Jesus is always praying perfectly in line with the Father's will. He, he always does. Jesus doesn't pray amiss. Like, Jesus doesn't, like, because we, we pray, we, we're kind of off sometimes when we pray, right? Even when we're praying in the Spirit, you know, and we're, we're going forward in prayer, we'll pray things that, that aren't quite on. But Jesus never has an issue with that. He's always praying perfectly in line with the Father's will. And when you pray perfectly in line with the Father's will, it's going to happen. It will happen. We will have the same love that God, and the, God the Father and the Son share with each other. That's the perfection of love. We are going to have that love. Jesus has decreed it. It's going to happen. He's bringing us. He's committed to bring us to that place. It's not about us striving for it. It's not about us going to our prayer closet and just banging our head against the wall and saying, Jesus, I need you, and I, I, I'm just going to do this over and over again, and I'm going to stay here forever until, you know, whatever. God's saying, this is me. This is my heart. Step into my heart. Step into the ocean of my desires. Find yourself there. I'm in love with you. I'm certain about you. I'm going to marry you. You're going to be my bride and we're going to live together forever. And right now we're on a journey toward that. We're going to take a bit of time to pray. Let's pray. Yeah. We're going to pray right now for people who have a really hard time, who have difficulty accepting that truth that God really wants intimacy with you. If that's you this afternoon and you're in a place where you just, you just struggle believing that, whether you just don't believe it at all or whether you try to believe it and you just can't, we're going to pray for you this afternoon. We're going to break off the lies that Satan's been feeding you, the lies that you've been believing about this. We're going to pray truth into you. So if that's you this afternoon, just stand to your feet. If you have a hard time believing that God really, God really wants intimacy with you. you God and 
we rest in that place, God, of your infinite desire for us, God. Your infinite desire, God. Your desire for us, God. We so desperately need that grace, God. Right now, I pray for those standing. That you would break in, Lord, with revelation, God, of your love, God. How you actually feel toward us. Yeah. I break off every lie that you are unlovely. I break off every lie that you are unworthy because you've been made worthy by the blood of Jesus. I break off every lie that says that God has no time for you. I break off every lie that says that there are more important things to God than you because there isn't. And God, I pray revelation, filling them right now. Filling them right now, God, of your bridegroom love, your bridegroom heart toward them. The perfect bridegroom love. Yeah. Lord, start filling them up, God. Start filling them up right now. With revelation, God, of how you truly feel. We cast out, yeah. We're casting out every lie. Everything that stands in the way, every opposition to that, God. We stand upon the truth of your word. We say, yes, God, we believe, God. We believe and help our unbelief, God. We believe, God, that you want us more and more, God. Throughout this week, I pray for everyone here, God. For everyone here that you would grow us day by day in revelation of that, God. Yes, God, day by day, Father. More and more revelation poured out, God, of your heart for us, God. Your heart of love, God, toward us, God. We need it, God. We need it, God. We need it, Father. So awaken us, God. Awaken us, God, as we spend time in your word, God. As we just spend time thinking about you, God. Would you teach us, God, you're thinking about us way more than than we're thinking about you, God. Yeah. Do it, God. Do it. Teach us by your spirit. More and more and more and more, God. More and more. Lead us down that journey of love. That journey of true love. Thank you, Father. Yeah. And we love you, God, because you loved us first. So we rest in that place. And we just enjoy that place of your love for us, God. Thank you, God. praise you Lord we seal all of this truth all this revelation in in Jesus name and we thank you God we love you